Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You're listening to episode number 167. Our Sunday worship service for June 7th, 2020 is Find Peace. It is the first of the series, Show Your Work. Worry and doubt are signposts to something wonderful. We can learn how to face fear and move into peace. Okay, our scripture today is Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, how does that passage make you feel? I mean, it's designed to make you feel good. There are a number of uh, passages in Scripture that are kind of the it's going to be okay passages. And these are good ones to know about when you're having a rough time in your life. And it's nice to know that, that there's a bunch of them in there. That idea that there's this peace that passes all comprehension is definitely a it's going to be okay kind of an idea. But again, how does that make you feel? That there's something that passes all comprehension. There are some people that don't want to deal with a concept that can't fit between their ears, that they can't own intellectually. Are you okay with infinity, I guess is what I'm trying to say. This passage and others like it are the things that people think of when you hear that quote, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You've heard people say that. Maybe you've said that. It's one of those things that people say. And again, how does that make you feel? Because I got to tell you, sometimes that quote is used as a a synonym, as another way of saying tough luck. You know, uh, everything uh, is broken. The roof blew off the house. The car broke down. I got laid off. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's not especially helpful, is it? How do you feel when you hear the idea that there's this thing that passes all comprehension? How do you handle the thing that is mysterious? How do you deal with your concept of how God is working in your life? Does God work in mysterious ways? There are some people that are really put off by that. And there are some people that are really inspired by that. When I say the Lord works in mysterious ways, I suppose that you could go, yeah, you know what, that's true. I mean, I have been confronted with things that are just too big and too awesome and too inspirational and too beautiful and too everything to to possibly wrap my head around. And those are the moments that have really defined me. Yeah, mysterious is, is just the beginning of this experience I have, and it's so great. And there are other people who hear that word mysterious and they go, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't get any of this. I feel completely isolated from from any kind of a foothold, from any kind of control, from any kind of a sense that anything's going to be okay. Which end do you lean towards? It's okay that you've had experiences on both sides. I have too. But I mean, think about it. Because so much of this idea of finding peace The thing that we're talking about today, the thing that is going to determine your ability to experience healing, prosperity, the whole deal. So much of it has to do with being okay with something that is infinite. So ask yourself which way you want to lean, you know? It's one of those things where I think that there are some people that say something like the Lord works in mysterious ways and they assume that means, well, you're on your own. You know, that kind of a thing that God is doing God's stuff up in the penthouse and I have no connection to that. 
And so my job is to just keep my stuff and my people and my thing, whatever that is, safe. I have to guard everything because mysterious ways means that everything could explode tomorrow. I could lose everything and I just have no way of knowing anything, no security, no peace. And so to the people that believe that, it becomes the next logical step to just build a theology of protection. I have to guard myself against every little thing. I have to guard myself against surprise. I have to guard myself against those moments where I'm not in control. And maybe you've tried that. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. Because the moments when love happens and inspiration and art and healing and revolution, those aren't the moments where you're in control of anything. Those are the moments when you let go. Let me put that another way. If you feel like you got to spend your life guarding, let me really ask you, if God is everywhere, what are you guarding against? It might be that the protections that you have set up are keeping you away from the very thing that you need, you know? Sometimes peace comes not from being on ch in charge of everything, but rather peace comes from letting go and letting something bigger than you be in charge. You have to decide how you deal with all of this. Good and bad, big and small. You get to decide whether you're going to hold on or whether you're going to let go. I mean, think with me about the heroes that we have in Scripture. I mean, I think about Daniel in the lion's den. You know that story? The idea of being at peace in the face of adversity, being at peace in a time when you have no control, being at peace when other people are like, uh-oh, dangerous things are about to happen, and there's Daniel, cool. That's what peace looks like. Peace does not happen as a byproduct of control. Peace happens when you realize that it's okay to not be in control. There's Daniel in the lion's den. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which sounds like an opening act for the Beastie Boys. But, but it's, it's that story where they're in the oven, right? And they're okay with the angel. Go look it up. It's Joseph when all of these bad things have happened to him. And he says, you know what? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. It doesn't matter how it looks on the outside. I know that my peace comes from a deeper place. It's the story of Jesus over and over again. The idea that, that my kingdom, my peace, my authority doesn't come from outer things. It comes from something that I have a heart connection with. And it, it doesn't matter that I don't know what's going to happen next. Don't think about what you're going to say or where your next meal is going to come from. Sound familiar? Peace is not a byproduct of control. And we see that when we look at all of the good guys in Scripture, right? And in fact, control comes up when we look at all the bad guys in Scripture. I mean, look at King Herod, who wanted to control everything, and, and you know what he did. Think about the Pharaoh in the story of Moses. I mean, that story over and over again is a story of Yul Brenner having a problem with control issues, right? That's the, what the story is all about over and over again. The idea is that I am not going to deal with infinity. I am not going to deal with this. I need everyone to do what I say. I need to win the popularity contest every time. I need it to be about me. And over and over again, Pharaoh is confronted with infinity, with the awesomeness of how this can work. And over and over again, Pharaoh is given the opportunity to get on the right side of history. Right? You know the story. And over and over again, there's that line in Scripture where it says, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
And that seems like a funny thing. I mean, why would God do that? It reminds me a little bit about the lead us not in the temptation thing that we talked about a few weeks ago. But think about it. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh's paradigm, the way that he thought and the way that he felt and the boundaries of his comfort zone were about control. If you are a person, let's make it personal, if you are a person who has decided that the world is not a good place, that people are no good, if you see somebody being good, you're very likely to go, oh, that's what they would want you to think. Beauty can harden your heart if you've decided that you won't see beauty, for example. Revolution can harden your heart if you've decided that you've got to control everything. Inspiration can harden your heart if you've decided that you never want to be inspired. And so, of course, Pharaoh, who is the the archetype of wanting to control everything when confronted with the idea that love and freedom and truth and peace are too big to get a bead on, decides to have his heart hardened by the experience. And there's a lesson there, isn't there? I mean, what, what will you decide? What will you do in the face of infinity? Because make no mistake, if God is everywhere, that's what's staring you in the face. What will you do in the face of something bigger than what you can control? I guess what I'm trying to say is, where does your peace come from? Before you can get it, you've got to decide where to go to get it, right? So where does your peace come from? And remember, that Bible quote from today is from the letter to the Philippians. And Paul wrote that letter telling the people who read it that, guys, it's going to be okay. Right? That's the point of the letter in a way. And that's the point of all of his letters. And he wrote it. You know where he was when he wrote it? He wasn't on vacation. Paul was in jail when he wrote that. Think about that with me. That's another story, like uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, like all of those stories. Here's Daniel in jail telling somebody else who is in a much better situation than he's in that it's going to be all right. I love that. I love that because it's especially appropriate because, because Paul is put in jail for standing up for what's right because that's what heroes do, first of all. But more than that, Paul can experience peace despite outer circumstances. And again, that's the story over and over again. Paul can experience peace despite outer circumstances because his peace comes from a different place. His peace doesn't come from his outer circumstances. His outer circumstances change as a result of his peace. Turns the whole formula upside down when you know that. And it's a formula that you can decide upon in your own life. Peace is not a byproduct of control. Peace comes from letting go of something. Peace comes from those moments when the armor comes off, when our guard gets set aside. Peace comes from the moments where it's okay. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me in spite of external validation. That's kind of the point. Like I said, there are those people who have a theology of guarding where they just they need to protect themselves against the whole outside world and they have this idea that there's adversaries everywhere and God kind of doesn't like them in the whole thing. They feel like they have to guard their hearts. But remember what the scripture said that we read today. Go back and read it again. The basic idea is this this peace that's beyond all comprehension will fill you, and as a result, God will guide and guard your heart. 
So in other words, it ain't your job to protect yourself. That's God's job. And to the degree that you try to do God's job, things don't work. This is a simple equation. Ask yourself, if there are dysfunctional parts of your life, look at them and go, wait a minute, was I trying to do God's job? Was I stepping into the flow? Was I trying to protect myself when I know that my protection comes from something bigger than me? Was I trying to make it happen when I know that really I'm supposed to let it happen? Peace comes not from control, but from letting God do God's job. It's really that simple. How can I get out of God's way? That's what's on the table. That's the question at hand. If you try to guard your heart, you end up protecting yourself from the things that you actually need because you're trying to get in God's way, and that means you're going to have less room for the miracle that that you've been praying for. Maybe it's time to get out of the way, even if it's uncomfortable, because that's the thing. I I know that, that control seems comfortable. I know that there's this idea that if I can just fit everything inside my comfort zone, if I can just make everything predictable, that, that it'll be okay. Well, you know how it turned out for Pharaoh and Herod and all those other guys. You know how it turned out for them. And yet, so many people keep trying it. In the interest of protecting and preserving our comfort zone, sometimes people let themselves get trained to do and think and feel some pretty nutty things. I don't know where you went to church, but there are those people that in the interest of keeping things comfortable have have defied their own hearts and trained themselves to believe that God doesn't like them, that they are born broken, that the world is an angry place, even though your heart knows that can't possibly make sense. Your brain knows that it's not logical. It doesn't make sense for God to be loved and for this to be wrong. And yet people train themselves to believe that because it fits into a comfortable idea. And the idea is, I don't have to grow. I just have to wait around for heaven. And that's not what Jesus did, is it? Sometimes people leave those churches, and in the interest of keeping their comfort zone secure, they go to a place where they're told that God is some kind of cosmic errand boy, and they can law of attraction themselves into just getting God to do what they want to do all the time. And if I think the right thoughts, I'll be able to submit my order to God, and God will fill the order. Like, that's God's job. And that's weird training, too, when you think about it, because if God is here to just do your bidding, it ain't God. If you learn these things, gravity will do what you want. Does it ever work that way? If you learn these things, love will do what you want. No. You become a healthy relationship partner when you start figuring out what love wants. Right? You become a better athlete when you start figuring out what gravity wants. Right? It's like that. Life is like that. It has to do with getting out of the way of something instead of trying to control something. I mean, like I said, think about every bad guy that you ever heard about. Think about Pharaoh and think about Herod and think about Darth Vader who wants to control everything through force. Think about the the, the minister in Footloose, you know, all the great characters in literature, whatever you want. But over and over again, they're trying to pound something into control when it never works that way. You know, because you've seen all those movies, you've read all those books. The good guys win. Truth will out. Freedom wins. You can't force this. You can't control this. And in fact, if you're experiencing problems in your life, if you're experiencing a lack of peace, that's probably why. Maybe you're not some cruel emperor, some big tyrant, some pharaonic ruler. Maybe that's not the deal, but think about your own life. 
Think about the times when you tried so hard to just muscle everything into control and make those kids do what you want and make that situation happen and you're, you're worried about the roof and so you will the rains to not come. How's that working out for you? You know? And there are those people who have tried to make peace happen instead of letting it happen. And those people, and I can say this because I've been one of those, maybe you have too, they don't look peaceful to me. They look like they're about to pop. That ain't peace. That ain't control. That's nothing. And it's certainly nothing healthy. So maybe it doesn't come from trying to muscle everything into control. Maybe it doesn't come from trying to force everything into your comfort zone. Maybe it doesn't come from making sure you have a nice Instagrammable picture of your life. It's okay if it's a little bit of a mess now and again. There's something kind of beautiful about that. Because, boys and girls, here's the deal. Peace is not static like a piece of glass. Peace is dynamic like the waves. Think about when you feel peaceful, when you're out there looking at the waves coming in, or when you're looking at mountains and you see there's so much going on and photosynthesis is happening and there's animals and the sky is moving. Think about when you're looking up at the stars and you feel so peaceful, even though what you're looking at is millions of balls of light and fire and life happening over an infinite span of time. It's dynamic. It's happening. There is no part of this universe that is holding still, so don't try to make your life hold still. Because you know what? Life holding still is actually another way of saying death. And that ain't what you want. Peace doesn't come from holding things still. And I say that because what I really want is for us to get to the end of what I'm going to call fortress theology. Fortress theology is that, is that idea that your church should be something that looks like a fortress. And you can hear some of the songs, maybe the ones you grew up with, where the idea of the song is, we are going to protect against bad guys outside. It even affects the architecture. There's churches you can drive by where it looks like the church could be defended by a couple of soldiers. You know what I mean? It looks like you could put a machine gun nest here, and that's where the sniper goes, and here's where we dig the trench, right? You've seen churches that look like a fortress. You've heard the songs. You've, you've seen that kind of a theology where the basic idea is we have to keep all the good people in here and the bad people outside. And I say that we have to get done with that because you're wrestling with the wrong thing. You know, because you know the kind of people that Jesus hung out with, the way that he did things, that that, that wasn't it at all. You know that everybody's allowed in. You know, maybe, if you know your history, that the beginning of church wasn't in a fortress The beginning of church was in people's homes, was in small places. And the basic idea of church from the get-go was that everyone is allowed in. I'd like us to get back to that, wouldn't you? Now, it wasn't very passive by outer terms. I mean, when you think about what went on in the beginning of church, what you had was dialogue and questions, and people were challenging each other, and there was doubt in that room, and people wanted to know something. But the thing is, they weren't fighting each other. They were working together to try to wrestle with this idea that was bigger than them. The point of the questioning and even the arguing sometimes wasn't, I'm right and you're wrong. It was more, what's the best way to experience this divine connection? What's the best way to to be a child of God? What's the best way to live this? And how does this work? And it was lively, and it was dynamic, and it was on fire, and that's the way that it's supposed to be. Peace doesn't look like everyone sitting around agreeing all the time. That's the point. Peace is when we're passionate about something that's 
bigger than we are. Peace is not static like a piece of glass. It's dynamic like the waves. Let's be like that because it's time to stop trying to hold back the tides of life with our bare hands. You want to talk about a Bible hero? It makes me think about Jacob who became a hero not because everybody agreed with him. He became a hero because he wrestled with the angel. In other words, you're not here to fight other people because everybody's different and everybody's growing and that's okay. You're here to wrestle with your concept of the divine idea. And as you do that, as you go, okay, what does this mean, God? How do I serve you? How do I see you? How do I know you? To the degree that you get into that wrestling match, you will grow. And peace comes through actively pursuing that. Stop worrying about what other people are doing. You know, the, the, the classic formula is that, is that we pray for change, and then change happens, and we go, uh-oh, things are changing. It's, it happens all the time. It's such a funny thing. Not everybody's going to agree with you. You're not going to always win the popularity contest. And if you want peace, be the kind of person who says, you know what, it's okay with me because I know that love wins, because I know that life prevails, because I know that truth will out. It doesn't matter what other people say. Sometimes we have to stand up for what's right. It doesn't matter if the authorities agree or if the prevailing wisdom is this and that and the other thing. We just have to do what love says. That's what peace looks like. Sometimes peace means standing up, and peace never means being a doormat. Like I said, it's okay if not everybody agrees with you, as long as you know in your heart what's right. I was working on my talk this week, and I came across this quote. It's a Jonathan Swift quote. It's, it's also used as the title of one of the greatest books ever written, The Confederacy of Dunces. But the quote is this. I want to read it to you. Jonathan Swift. He says, When a true genius appears in the world, you may know him by this sign, that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. I want to read that again. When a true genius appears in the world, you may know him by the sign that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. And the basic idea is this. You know, sometimes it's hard to know. Am I a genius? Am I right even? Am I smart? Is this okay? And sometimes you don't know. Is it my ego talking? Sometimes you know when you know that the wrong thing disagrees with you. You know what I mean? Sometimes, here's my point, sometimes the static is exactly what you need to figure out where the solid places are. Sometimes the disagreement, sometimes the seeming chaos is how you find your order because you know by example what not to do. So you want to find peace? Take a moment and really and truly forgive. Take a moment and really and truly give thanks for those of you who have shown you what not to do. Take a moment and give thanks that I prayed for change and change is coming and I don't know anything about what's going to happen next. Isn't that great? Because when you step out of your comfort zone, you step into faith. As it turns out, the scripture for today is kind of like a to-do list and it goes something like this. Look for the places that are beyond comprehension because that's where God lives. Step into those places where you just don't understand, where you can't intellectualize it. It's bigger than what your intellect can handle. Step into those places that are just, wow. Because that's a pretty good definition for God. You want peace? Lean into the places that are beyond your comprehension. And as a result, God will guard your heart and you will find peace.
It's time to set aside childish things like hate and fear and time to step into something bigger. It's time to be free because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address, and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.